Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. When we understand that we have a place and value and we can start pouring in, it's a, it's a paradigm shift in what happens in the church. Today's message comes from Acts chapter six. Here's Pastor Randy. And open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book written by Luke, his second book written to Theophilus, the book of Acts chapter six. We're gonna read verses one through seven epiphanally, and Will Stanley is gonna lead you guys this morning. Will's going into the Navy in just over a week. Um, We're so thankful for Will. He has done a fantastic job as an intern with us this summer. Um, What an outstanding young man, and we are just thrilled that he's been a part of us. We are gonna miss him so badly for every, listen, this, this young man can do so much well, but he will do anything that's needed. And I just love that. You know, two kinds of people. Some people walk in a room and say, here I am, and some walk in a room and say, there you are. Will is a there you are guy. And I'm just so thankful for him. So he's gonna read, and I'm gonna start, and when we get to verse five, you'll know why I'm, I started, Okay. All right. I was reading it and I already could tell that it was a little It's a little complicated. A few hard words in there, so yeah. I'm glad I'm not reading yeah. it. And I'm gonna and I'm just gonna say them real fast and everybody'll think I said it correctly. <laughs> now in those days, this is chapter six, verse one, and I want you guys to read with Will. Now in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose among the Hebrews because their widows were de- being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not the right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. You read it out loud next time. All right. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, which by the name is, that's an amazing name, Prochorus. Like if my name was not Randy, I'd like it to be Prochorus. (laughs) And Nicanor and Timon, not from, uh, not from, uh, yeah, Lion King, this is when I, when I get off track like this, this is what happens. I can't even remember Lion King. And Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They said, sorry, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And read this all of us together. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. I am so thankful for this. Was it, is this daylight savings time or is the spring daylight savings time? Which is it? Whatever it is. Listen, I do not endorse political candidates, but if someone would run for office saying we only fall back, just continually, they're getting my vote. I was, when we were in Indiana, I, I led worship and on Sunday morning I, and and the service that I led at was in, the, was in the smaller room. We had a contemporary service. We had like a choir and all that in one room, and, and I led. And there was this sweet, sweet lady that would come over. She, she was dying of cancer, and she just loved Jesus. 
She would come over, her husband would drop her off. That man was a thorn in my flesh, but his wife was the sweetest lady in the world. And, and he would drop her off and she would come and sit through worship rehearsal and just worship the whole time during worship rehearsal. And I would go over like an hour early before anybody got there, just in my sweats and run through the songs and stuff. And then I'd go home and change and come back over for rehearsal. So it's like the, the service was like at nine, we would rehearse at eight, but it's like, it's like seven, but she thinks it's eight. And she comes walking in and I'm, I'm just sitting up on the, you know, with my guitar up on a stool and she walks in and she goes, Pastor, did the rapture happen? And I said, and you're not surprised I'm here. So uh, I don't know which of those things is worse. Um, and by the way, thank you guys. Just, just a little heads up here. Um, thank you guys. Some of you guys know this. Thanks for praying. Anita's dad, our family has not been hit too badly by COVID. We, um, we had some family members that, that were sick, but, but did fine. Anita's dad, um, Tuesday night was taken to the ER. His oxygen level was 38. Um, we had family members from India staying with them. They called 911. Had they not called 911, I don't think this would have turned out the way it did. Um, he got discharged yesterday. We're very thankful. But Anita's up there. So anything that's wrong in the church today is because of that, okay? Anita's not here. So, um, but thank you guys for praying. Um, I just, I'm so humbled to be their son-in-law. They have lived a, a godly life in, in front of their kids and their grandkids. Um, there's no books, there's no statues. Um, but they have trained hundreds, hundreds of pastors all over the continent of Africa. And they've done that through just being godly, good people. And my mother-in-law's a great cook. Um, it's both of those things. Literally, the president of Kenya eats at her house um, when she's there. But we're just thankful that they're there and that they're okay. Acts 6.1. In those days, the disciples are increasing, and there's a complaint by the Hellenists arose among the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Here's the first thing. When, when you lose your spouse, you lose your place. All of a sudden, a marriage conference doesn't mean the same thing anymore. All of a sudden, the people you hung out with, it's a different experience, whether it's by death or divorce. When, when you, you have that kind of thing in your life, there's a sensitivity that wasn't there before, and some of us who haven't gone through that don't understand that. So let me just say in advance, sorry. Sorry for not thinking about that more. That's what's going on here. This, this first thing that happens, the first challenge that happens in the church is not theological. I would contend most of the time when churches split, and I've been through one of those, and it's a horrific thing. It's a brutal thing. It's a sinful thing when brothers and sisters in Christ divide, and, and they, don't, they don't go sit in a room and work it out. Put boxing gloves in the room if you need to, but go get in a room and work it out. Don't tear it apart in front of people. When leaders, and I, I get the emails, listen, I know some of you guys have, some of you guys tell me this, listen, we've, we were in the church, we got hurt, we're giving it one more shot. Please don't put that pressure on me. I will fail you. I will. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. I, I mean, there, I will fail you. Jesus won't. 
And when I don't act like him, you tell me. Somebody did that yesterday. I do this every November, December. I, 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 I put this on my Facebook, the beginning of November. If you got something against me, come tell me. I want it fi- fixed by my birthday, December 31st. That's, you can send me cards then. Everybody parties on my birthday. There's a problem going on in the church, though. The problem is not theological. This was not about the interpretation of Peter interpreting the words Jesus said in context of the Old Testament. This this is not about baptism. This is not about communion. This is not about the color of the carpet even. This is about you forgot our people. Up until this point, our people have been our people, but all of a sudden someone's being forgotten and all of a sudden our people are here and our people are here and the division is ethnic. There are Hebrew speaking people that had been in Jerusalem. The apostles would have known who these people were. And now all these Greek speaking believers, Jewish Greek speaking Jews are coming to faith. They're not Friends of the disciple, Peter didn't know Aunt Mary that just came to faith. Peter didn't know Grandma Eunice that just came to faith. Peter didn't know who she was. John didn't know who she was. It wasn't that they meant to ignore them. They just didn't know who they were. They didn't know their needs. But these other believers are noticing this, and they say, you've forgotten us. So much of our conflict winds up about not understanding that we have a place, that we matter. We have to be sensitive to that. We gotta pay attention to that. The the disciples are increasing in number. Things are growing, but this first argument comes into place. It's almost always personal. I just wanna encourage you this, church. If you're not getting your needs met, please raise your hand. Not now, right? Please raise your hand. Please tell us. Don't assume that I read every Facebook post you make. Call me. I'll answer my phone. I'll call you back. Let us know your pain. They didn't know what was going on. God had been moving. Listen, we are supposed to take care of our widows and our orphans. James 1.27 says this, religion that's pure and undefiled. What a great sound as I'm talking about this. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows, look at this, in their affliction, in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Today is Orphan Sunday. It's the day that we recognize that there are children who are born who need care, and we have a foster ministry here And I'm very excited about that and proud of that. And the Reese's lead that, and they're gonna come up here right now. So David and Renee are gonna come up here. There they are. Would you guys welcome David and Renee Reese? Wherever wherever they like, that's great. So first of all, David, tell, tell me where you grew up. Uh, 
um, everywhere. Everywhere, but specifically. <laughs> um, we, when I was about four or five years old, we moved to Wilmore, Kentucky. Wilmore, my dad Kentucky, got his that's master's right. Degree All right, there, so. where Jesus lives. All right. Yeah. So, it's a great place to be a kid. Yeah, it, was a great, it is a great place to be a kid. You can ride your bike around and have fun and stuff. But tell me, how did you guys get into fostering? Um, we had been, well, yeah, a brief overview. We had been married for about 15 years um, with no children, and Renee had been wanting to look into adoption. Um, I didn't feel that way. I thought, if God wants us to have kids, we'll have kids. So I was sort of holding out on that. And then, um, goodness, a little over 10 years ago or so, when my grandfather was 96, he revealed that he had been adopted. Wow. He had been, he had never told anybody in the family. Wow. Um, and that changed my whole perspective. So I realized, oh my goodness, I'm glad somebody took him in mm-hmm. <laughs> and raised him. Didn't affect my identity. I didn't feel any less. Sure. Um, I had an appreciation for being adopted into the family of God because that's how we're all joined. So yeah. it's changed my perspective. So we started looking into fostering to adopt. Um, while we were in the process of that, we came, became aware through a number of um, circumstances about Elizabeth. And so we sort of dropped the foster thing at that point and adopted Elizabeth um, when she was four. Um, Fast forward several years, we were again looking to get her a sibling. So we went back into the foster care, started our home study program again. And um, through another set of circumstances or coincidences, we heard about a family of four siblings that needed a place to be for six weeks. And Just six weeks. Just six weeks. Yeah. And we had just bought a van for some reason for the three of us. We yeah. had space. You know, and so it was, you get to about 35 and you need a van. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. Right. So it was more one of those things. It's like, we can do six weeks. You know, we have the resources. We have sure. the means. We can do six weeks. And they were ages 11 months to seven, I think, at the time. Um, so we we're like, yes, yeah, so we'll do that. Two years later, they finally went back home. <laughs> And um, we took about a year off. And then at that point, our perspective changed on what fostering was. Do you want to? Yeah, well, we basically started to be mutually beneficial to us and the children because we wanted a family and um, they needed a family. So we wanted to fill that. But when we had some children for two years and they were excited to go home, I was like, really? <laughs> it's a little hurt, you know? Um, and so we we realized that that's the best place for them to be. And so we realized that God is a God of second chances and that they um, wanted to be there. So we decided that our ministry would be to stand in the gap. Um, And we talked to Elizabeth because she had to be a part of that decision and just say, we would love to adopt eventually, but right now we're going to minister to children and be their family while their family's pulling themselves back together. And so that's where we started doing, we decided sibling groups because of some background with Elizabeth that one day she'll share maybe, but, um, but we felt very confident about sibling groups at that time. So just, just I mean, I, I, just to connect this dot, so you were fostering and Elizabeth, who you were fostering, you adopted. Um, she's from, she, she had, she was with relatives that okay. were older that yeah. could not um, take care of her for long term. So that's how we she found out. She had been in the foster system. Yeah. But at that point, yeah. she was not. So. And, I, and I'm just going to say, if every person in the church, capital C, was like Elizabeth, every pastor would be, a, everyone would want to be a pastor. Because that girl, if you know Elizabeth, she is the sweetest kid. Um, just absolutely the sweetest kid. 
and every week, um, every week, she's just, Elizabeth goes around looking for people to encourage. What a, what a blessing. So if, if people wanted to be involved in fostering at a, in a bigger way, how do you start that process? Um, you, usually you have a little meeting with a group that you would, would be your advocates. So I would definitely encourage those that are interested in foster care to take the next step. Um, it's a process. So during the process, while your family and friends are praying with you, um, you'll know whether that's something you're supposed to do. Um, it'll be kind of like a natural next step. Um, but there are agencies that, that are advocates for you with um, DFACS. They are wonderful, and they do a lot of the background stuff for, with you and for you. And so they have meetings that then they would um, uh, then get you set up with the first um, training, which is 15 hours of impact. And so. if they wanted to know, where do you, how do you reach out to those people? Where do you start? Um, well, there is an, um, a foster care site with Georgia, but you can see me. I'll be at the back table with the, give, uh, the giving trees back there. And um, so I can talk with you too or get your email and send you the link that you can go to to find out more information about that. So one of, and so one of the roles that you do here is you coach people, pray for people, encourage people in that process. Yes, so I can um, point you in the right direction, encourage you, give you pointers, um, let you in on some of the background stuff that goes on, um, and that's what I do. But I also bring um, care groups around foster families that are already yeah, at our church. Yeah, talk about what's the percentage of people who drop out if they don't have a care group versus if they do? Right, so the people that um, foster, the families that foster, 50% of them quit the first year um, after the first year, and somehow are displaced like they, they quit their placement in the middle because they have no support. And I went to an adoptive mother and foster care mothers conference a couple years ago, and it was amazing the number of moms who are foster moms that um, were, were depressed. They felt isolated, like mm -hmm. no one understood them. And I had no idea because we had a church that brought a care group around us, and we didn't have, we didn't have any of that when we first started. We just felt so much love and support and encouragement. So we know firsthand how important that is. And so um, you basically become aunts, adopted aunts, grandparents, uncles of these kids and the families, and you just walk their journey with them. Um, some of so, that is bringing a meal a month, but there are so many other things that your gifts can, you know, that you've been given that you can give back to. Well, so. and even just having people that you know are praying for you yes. every day for that, because a lot of times kids in those situations, you know, I, I was... Uh, I was a house parent at a court-appointed school for a year, and I'd worked for the police for two years and never got hurt, and I got hurt a lot doing that. Um, there's a lot of trauma that comes out, and sometimes that trauma comes out in healthy environments. Like, kids have to feel safe for that pain to come out. And then you're there walking through them in that journey, so when you have people praying for you, caring for you, that just makes that process work so much better. It is, that's so true. And even after the first month with our new placements a couple years ago, when they started acting out, the caseworker was like, oh, they must be feeling safe at your house. So yeah. it is so true. And really prayer, we, you know, know we can't do it without prayer. Yeah. Well, and sometimes until people show you their pain, you, you really don't know people until you know their pain. Right. Tell me about the ornaments. These are so cool. Oh. First, who made so, those? Jeremy made these. Okay, oh my so goodness. I was going to decoupage. This is so much better than that. 
Um, so my idea this year with the wish trees, the giving trees, was to give you guys back some kind of prayer reminder so that you would remember to pray for anyone involved in foster care. So this is a temporary thing that you guys can do. The longer term is being a part of a care group to walk a journey with a family. Um, but these have, you get the ornament, and we're kind of asking this week just to take one so everybody has the chance to bless, but we'll have more from schools next week on the tree. Um, but there's a, a wish on the back, and some of the wishes we got fancy this year. We have, they have a little uh, QR code on the back if you just want to scan it with your phone and place the order that way if they're specific a wish. But um, take one of those and bless a family this year. They're going to be back by December 5th. I love the fact that you, in this church, you have to say you can only take one. That's a great, amen, thank you, church. All right, so re, thank you guys so much. Thanks for everything you do. You guys are amazing. All right, can we just thank them one more time? Look, look at verse two. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men, and later it would be women, by the way, of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, and we will appoint to this duty. That word duty is the word where we get the word deacon. It's diaconate. It, it's, it's people who see the needs and fill in the needs of the church. We, we have governing elders here, not, uh, not operational elders. Our elders don't tell us how to run the church. They pray for the church. They essentially counsel me in leading the church spiritually. But there's a need for people to be engaged in, in teaching and in leading and serving and cleaning and cooking and in, in, in doing the lawn. And I mean, this, this is a 13-acre campus. There's a lot of mowing that has to happen here. In the garden, making sure that the roof doesn't leak, that the pipes work, all that kind of stuff. The, these needs are, are there and they're present. And, and the, the apostles are not saying here, we're too good to do any job. You watch what they do. When Paul goes on his missionary journey, Paul becomes a tent maker. When, when they go into the temple and there's someone there who's been, who's been seated there all day and can't get up without a bathroom, they reach down and they take him by the hand. They touch lepers. They, they minister to people that other people wouldn't minister to. This is not an uppity thing here. This is a... We have been with Jesus. There's only 11 guys, and now Matthias, who have walked with Jesus. There is no New Testament written. If they're not teaching what Jesus said, no one knows what Jesus said. We've got this job to do. Now, I wanna be really clear. I love the fact that in this community, I get to be involved in the schools. I get to be involved in a, in a kids' life club, in a thrive club. I get to be on high school campuses. I love that. But this is my primary job here, is teaching this word. I am not above getting up on the roof and fixing the roof. I'm, more, I'm just an old country farm boy. I can do that. I can drive that tractor over there. But if I'm driving that tractor, I'm not doing this. We all have to be engaged in this. And look at what happens. Look at verse four. They say, we'll devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, and what they said, and they pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip evangelist. And Philip, by the way, has four daughters. Philip was an evangelist. We're gonna read about him later in Acts. 
But his greatest claim to fame is he had four girls who were just amazing, amazing ministers of the word of God. These women could preach like, like better than Philip. Sometimes it's in that next generation, amen, church? And Prochorus, who wound up being John's secretary, and then, and then these other guys who I don't know anything about historically. And they, set, they were set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Look at verse six. We're gonna come back to that. But flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body, first chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. Now look at this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it, make it any less of a part of the body. What if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, would there be a sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, would there be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This, this week, I went to a cycling doctor, and he hooked me up on, on a machine and put probes all, all up and down my legs and, and to, to make sure that I was cycling correctly, because if you do it wrong, you get injured. And he walked over, and when we were done, he goes, you're doing a couple things right, but you're doing a lot of things wrong. I said, you should talk to my wife, you know, my staff. I mean, I do a lot of things wrong. He goes, and, and he goes, well, let me tell you the first thing. Your shoes are not right. You're not wearing the right shoes. You need sho shoes that are smaller and wider. And I said, what difference does that make? He said, well, all of the energy transfer in cycling is through the foot. If, if your shoe doesn't fit right, there's no power. Now, let's just be honest. If you're a body part, you'd rather be a hand than a foot. Like, like, like what if you walked up to people and they said, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Shake, you know? You know, one, two, three, four, I declare a footsie war. I mean, it would be, it would be weird. Nobody, we would rather be a hand. Hey, you can eat, you can write, you can draw, you can pray, you can hug. I mean, being a hand's a lot more fun than being a foot. What about eyes and ears? I remember the first time I saw Anita, man, I saw those eyes. I looked at those eyes. I did not say to her, you have the most beautiful, huge ears. <laughs> I didn't really think about her ears for a long time. I'm, I mean, I mean, if you just don't go up to people and talk about their ears. I mean, it's, it's normal to go up to people and go, you have the beautiful eyes. I mean, try this this week. Go up to somebody and go, nice ears. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Don't say my pastor told me to do this. But, but we all, we all wanna be the eye or the hand. And, and sometimes we feel like, well, well, I don't have value because I can't do that, or I don't have value because I can't do that. No. That's not what Scripture says. That's not what the church... We need everybody engaged. And let me just be really candid. In this season, we've had, 
We've had people move away. We've had people leave. We've had a lot of people come. A lot of you are new. We need you engaged. We need you engaged. As a matter of fact, in your grace notes this week on the back is something that's gonna be there for a long time on the tear-off sheet is a way for you to get engaged. I'm gonna keep talking about this because we need you here. We need you engaged in the lives of kids. We need you engaged in the lives of discipling others. We need people to help us with the building. There is nothing less about caring for the place than there is caring for the people because the place is where people come to. There's nothing less about cooking the meal. There's, there's nothing less about making sure the plumbing works. All of those things are important. Look, look at what happens in verse seven. And worship team, you guys get ready. Matter of fact, you guys can come on up. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is a mega shock. This is, a, this is an entire change in the process of what is happening in the church when, when the deacons get involved. Chapter two, verse 41 the Lord added to. Verse 47, added to. 4-4, four, four, another 5,000 added to. That's when 5,000 are, are added to. The, word, the Greek word there, it's the word we get arithmetic from. Added to. But, but look here, look here at ver, chapter six, verse seven. And the number of disciples added greatly? No, that's not what it says, does it? It's a different Greek word, multiplied. And look who starts coming on board when the body of when the leadership of the body of Christ goes across the board look the priests this is when nicodemus comes on board priest after priest after priest leader of the church starts coming on board i got one more thing to show you because when we understand that we have a place and value and we can start pouring in, it has a, a seismic shift. It, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift in what happens in the church. And one of those is the people that are engaged in our kids' lives. Look at, look at verse six. It says, it says that they prayed and then laid their hands on them. Let me tell you what that means. It means they, they, they got some people, they said, these seem like the people we would wanna trust to care for our most vulnerable people. These are the people it looks like we would wanna trust. And then they sought the Lord and said, is this who we want? And God said, yeah. And then the apostles came and appointed them. I'm gonna ask you a question here. Are you praying about the people who have voice in your kids' lives? Are you, are you seeking God about the people who have voice in your kids' lives or are you just signing them up? I don't mean this in condemnation at all. But we have gotta be so careful about who has voice in our kids' lives. So that's what we're gonna do right now. Chelsea's gonna come up here. Chelsea, come on up. And we're gonna, we're gonna dedicate some babies to the Lord. 
And how, how many of you guys, I, I want you to stand if you work in Kids Life on Sunday or Wednesday or Lug or, or True North. Would you stand if you do that? Would you just stand where you're at? I want you guys to stay standing as these people come up here and do this. Because you're the ones, you're the ones that have been appointed. You're the ones who've been appointed. All right, Chelsea. Okay, hey, good morning, New Hope. I am Chelsea Cleaver, as Randy mentioned. And um, I coordinate volunteers for the nursery and preschool, and I have the huge honor of doing baby dedication. It's one of my favorite days. Um, we are really um, committed at this church and this body of believers to pouring into the next generation. And um, our guiding verse is in Psalm 78. It's so that the next generation might know, even the ones not yet born, the praiseworthy and marvelous deeds of the Lord. And um, so baby dedication for us is a covenant made between the parents and God and this body of believers that they will commit to raising their child to follow Jesus. So um, I would love to introduce you to these families. So if you guys could just come on up and just line up the stage right here behind me and I will introduce you to these awesome new kids. First up, we have Noel and Donald Dijarnet and their mom and dad, Emily and Trey. Um, next, we have Bailey Vining. She's bringing her mom and dad, Melissa and Justin, and her big brother, Hunter. Next, we have Steele Carter and his mom and dad, Molly and Adam. And last, we have Benjamin Tagle. He's bringing his big brother, Nehemiah, and his mom and dad, Gabriela and Gabriel. a picture of these people and you guys once you go out and once you guys just kind of go to corners and then family um, and if in any close friends that you feel comfortable being I know it's it's COVID and we want to honor that and and be careful about that so if you came with these people um, you can come close if if you just want to come within about 10 feet and come around them we're going to pray for them so once you guys just go out to the corners right now it's my famous buddy quote how many of y'all think these people need prayer? <laughs> I think they do. So, Molly, you guys, why don't you guys come over here? Yeah, and you guys can come back to this corner over here. And if you're a part of their family, you guys can go ahead. You can get up and move to them. Go ahead. Go ahead and move to them. If you're part of their family or close friends, if you're kind of in their world, come around to where they are. This is what we do. Um, 
we're just gonna pray out loud right now. Um, so the families that are around the families and friends around the families just start praying and you guys start praying out loud and just start praying. Pray for these families, pray for these kids and then I'll close this here in about one minute, okay? Let's just start praying. This is a little bit like a wedding ceremony here. I'm gonna ask some I wills. Parents, your answer is we will. Grandparents and friends, your answer is we will. In church, your answer is we will. But I do this from a spirit in a place of prayer, not pronouncement. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now with these little ones. This is... This is not just our future, Lord. This is our present. You have built this family of churches, 11 churches. You've built it out of our children. And Lord, we come before you right now and, and we, we know that there are going to be experiences that we cannot intercede for for these kids. We can't stop every harsh word. We can't keep every mean adult from casting a, a mean look in their way. We would love to. We would do it. We would take it on ourselves. We can't take every sickness from them. We can't take every defeat, every, every sadness. We can't take every disappointment. But Lord Jesus, first of all, as parents in this room, I ask you, do you commit to raising these children to know not just the word of God and his spirit, but do you commit that they would know the love of God, that they would know that there is a God who made them, that they are not an accident, that they were knit together by God. They were, they were fashioned individually, uniquely, in, a, in an amazing way, the way that God designed them to be made. And you commit to making sure that they know his word, that they know his truth, but they know his love. And if you commit to that, parents, your answer is, we will. Grandparents, family, friends that are around them, will you commit to praying at least weekly today, at least weekly for these people that you surround? Will, will you pray that they know all these things that we ask of the parents but will you also stop and take time in the busyness of life to stop occasionally and listen to these children, to ask them what's going on, to ask them their favorite color and their favorite flavor of ice cream and, and the things that they care about, but also ask them about what they're learning about God. Will, will you coach them, care for them, love them, protect them? And if you'll do that, your answer is we will. And now church, will you pray for these? 
Will you continue to be a church that believes that the next generation matters greatly? That the next generation would know. That they would know God. That they would know the love of Jesus. They would know the power of the Holy Spirit. And those of you guys that are standing, will you continue to commit? Will you serve these children? Even at the end of a hard day, of all the busyness of life, will you come and will you bring Jesus and his word to these children? And church, your answer out loud, if you'll do that, is we will. Lord Jesus, thank you for these families. Help us to be the people that they need, to be the deacons in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you guys stand together as we worship? Amen. Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.